everybody. This is the Busted Business Bureau. I am your host, Christian Borky. This podcast is produced by the Lincoln Lodge Theater in Chicago. Mm. Today, I am joined by, first of all, the person who bravely takes the last slice of pizza when everyone's at a party and nobody knows who's going to take the last slice. That is Amy Doe. Hello. And secondly, I have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan theory extraordinaire <laughs> and knowledge haver. It is Blender Bluid. What's up? The turtles are all trans. <laughs> Uh, Blender Blue, you got some social medias, right? Yeah, yeah, at Blender Blue on TikTok, Instagram, uh, actually, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> no email? Nah. <laughs> Not yet. Blue nope. at gmail.com. Let's go. There's an LLC being formed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated. Recently, I've been thinking about a tweet that I received, mm-hmm. and yeah. somebody said something along the lines of, of all the podcasts I listen to, this is literally the only one that I listen to that hasn't accepted BetterHelp sponsorships or anything mm. like that. It's Busted Biz Bureau. I really want to emphasize that I will never have sponsors, both by choice and by circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> and I also spent no less than 40 hours researching this, like, season so if you like it please consider donating to my patreon which is patreon.com slash busted biz bureau thanks for considering and thanks to all my patrons who already donate anyways you're the real ones like if you are a patron yeah you are literally doing the lord's work and you voted to make this fucking season happen (laughs) who needs better help when you got better patrons oh look at her better business borky (laughs) (laughs) So, this episode is probably going to be the darkest one that I've ever done on the podcast. Let's go. Body horror all around. So, if that is not your zhuzh, this episode is simply not for you. Okay. I would encourage you to give it a try anyway if you're on the fence. Like, I think this kind of history is really important. But, once again, every single episode this season is a standalone episode. So, you can skip this one and the rest will make sense. Mm. Alternatively, may I recommend uh, Blender Blewett and uh, Christian's episode about the Salvation Army? Yeah. Um, nobody. Body horror on that one. Nope, no body horror at all. Or if you just want to listen to no body horror, even a chance of body horror, you can listen or go on YouTube and watch Blender Blue's videos. Mm, Yes. Mm -hmm. Very good content. My, oh, thanks, gods. This episode is titled Monsanto 2, the U.S. Army, Agent Orange, and Vietnam. What was that pun? Nothing. No, you can say it out loud. I I mean, I missed it. No, come up in front of the class and say it. Okay. Monsanto Part 2. Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. So this episode is about the U.S. Army, Agent Orange, and Vietnam. My goals are to give a full explanation of what uh, the herbicides we used in Vietnam are, how early Monsanto knew it was going to be fucked up, spoilers, it's fucked up, how it impacted people, and how this both contributed to Monsanto's success and uh, ultimate downfall. This is going to be bad. <laughs> this is going to be real bad. <laughs> I hope episode one was really funny for y'all, because this one's going to be a real downer. <laughs> y'all ready? Yes. <laughs> so our story begins in 1949. Edward, Ed, Ed, I did it again. Edgar, Edgar Monsanto Queenie is the supreme of Monsanto, which isn't relevant, but I wanted to mention it just so you have a piece from last episode mm-hmm. to carry with you. Okay. Our and story, Edgar is uh, five, seven. John's son. Well, more importantly, he's five seven. Okay, yes, he's, King. he's John At, Francis Queenie's yes. son who leaves behind behind no hairs, no heirs, hairs, no hairs, <laughs> no hair, bald, bald, <laughs> snatched. <a> <laughs> Our story begins in. <laughs> she really liked that one. <laughs> Our story begins in Nitro, West Virginia. Monsanto has a plant manufacturing chemicals that will later be used as weapons of warfare in Vietnam, mm. but right now they're generally testing their effectiveness as a general herbicide. 
As you may remember, Monsanto manufactured a shit ton of DDT during World War II. DDT being the insect repellent meant to kill mosquitoes that kept just blasting our troops with malaria. Mm. It wound up being disastrous for society and ecological health. Anyways, no one knows how bad DDT is yet because Rachel Carson's book hasn't, like, come out and blown everyone's nips off. So, Monsanto... <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so apologize. <laughs> Free the nips. So, Monsanto was full steam ahead... By blasting them off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Free them. Set them it all free. starts with the martyr. Get them out of the bra and onto the floor. Oh my yeah, god. Baby. Body horror already. Yeah. No. I want I need my nips. Yeah. Does, does anyone need Nope. <laughs> Discussion ended. <laughs> so Monsanto is full steam ahead on this herbicide that is contaminated with dioxin. We'll talk about what that is later. Mm. That's a surprise tool that'll help us later. <laughs> The chemical quant, the chemical quant, the chemical plant in question in Nitro, West Virginia, is making a shit ton of this particular herbicide that is laced with dioxin. The actual name is like two four five dash T, dumb shit. But the poisonous element in it is dioxin that we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. I'll keep saying dioxin even though it's technically incorrect. It's not mm. the thing we're talking about. Okay, but. but it's the part of the thing that's the most important. Exactly. Yeah. The active ingredient, if you will. I literally wrote that down next. The active ingredient and the main focus of the controversy, but not the Damn, product, is Amy, dioxin. Okay. Amy's been guessing like where yeah. the sentences are going. You and me, simpatico, baby. <laughs> and in this plant, uh, I looked up songs that were popular in 1949. Okay. A Little Bird Told Me by Evelyn Knight is the popular tune. It's March nice. 8th, uh, March 8th, 1949. Above the smell of beef stew and Evelyn Knight's beautiful tunes, the plant manager hears a shriek. To this day, the shriek has not been identified, as I'm sure whoever uttered it was probably really embarrassed. <laughs> but like all the sources I consulted mentioned, like there's a shriek. <laughs> okay, somebody do be shrieking. Somebody be shrieking because do like that. what happened was not an explosion. In fact, it was the plant working as necessary. Mm. In building 41, some kind of thingy that they were manufacturing was overflowing, I guess, and all of the safety safety mechanisms worked. So what results is certainly a plume of white smoke clouding the air around Building 41 and perhaps a bunch of gunk everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's up in the air. Like, how much gunk is everywhere? Like, the historical accounts don't line up. Shout to gunk. But here is a quote from a source I'll be re- referencing extensively, and I'll let you know in a second what it is. Quote, Except for the awful noise, the explosion, or accident, or incident, as the event is variously called, was immediately unremarkable. Safety devices had worked reasonably well, no one was injured, and the accident was not deemed a newsworthy thing beyond the immediate area. But with the passage of time, it became a most remarkable episode in occupational and environmental health, perhaps the most important single event for telling us about the effects of dioxin. Mm-hmm. People got sick. Ooh, we getting into it. <laughs> How'd they get sick? God, this, having to work at a plant in 1949, I'm assuming already is hard enough. I'm yeah. sure they're smoking inside, too. Yeah. <laughs> it's just insufferable being there, <laughs> let alone having poison in the air. Again, there's various descriptions on if this dioxin-laced gunk was all over the walls and floor. Mm. There's various description of cleanup efforts, which implies that there's shit everywhere. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't. it's not necessarily confirmed. What is confirmed is that a shit ton of dioxin was in the air, both in and around the plant, and that the workers kept inhaling mm. in their efforts to get the plant back to normal. Something that s- feeling when you keep inhaling as a worker. <laughs> 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 uh, I do be inhaling though. I be inhale. I can't help but inhale. That's no, right. that's one thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> Quirky thing about me. When I come here, I inhale. <laughs> Don't exhale though. <laughs> that's for the end of the night. <laughs> Something strange started happening. Again, from the same source. Quote: 
As the workers applied themselves to their tasks, a number of them became ill. Many complained of skin and eye irritations and breathing problems. They'd be inhaling. Headaches, dizziness, nausea soon became widespread. A few weeks later, these immediate reactions to working in Building 41 largely subsided, perhaps because the cleanup efforts gradually removed the chemical cause of the distress. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, other longer-lasting symptoms began to surface. Three and four weeks after entering... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't cut off the quote at the right time. Long-lasting symptoms began to surface. Period. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The author goes into detail about the people with severe muscle pain, fatigue, nervousness, loss of sleep, and decreased sex drive and impotence. Oh, no. I know. And they have to report that to their manager? Yeah, that's (laughs) upsetting. That must have been really bad for them to have to, like... Yeah. Being so sexually impotent that you let your manager know... They say, hey, Jared, uh, I ain't been fucking lately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, what, why, why should I, why should I care? Well, cause I'm actually in love with you, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you tell me this? <laughs> I don't know. It just didn't feel like the right time. I'm getting married tomorrow. <laughs> no, you have to call off the <laughs> I feel like I'm in West Virginia 1949. <laughs> Anyways, this author continues, quote, Within a week or two after entering the building, workers were plagued with another noticeable symptom. They started breaking out in blackheads and pale yellow cysts. And it's mildest. Not the skin. Not the skin. In the mildest form, the skin disease resembled teenage acne. In more pronounced cases, pustules, pus-containing spots erupted and spread over other areas of the body. And in some men, the disease caused increased skin pigmentation, giving the skin a gray cast. These characteristics were unmistakable to physicians called in by Monsanto. They knew the workers had chloracne. Wow. Chloracne? Their acne was so bad that they became a different race. <laughs> that Okay, that literally happens to somebody. It's in, like, segregation era, and he starts getting mistaken as a black person and That's gets sent to the back nuts. of the bus. Yeah, and the guy was racist as fuck. And so he was like, this caused me emotional distress. Wow. Like, also incredibly racist. But, yeah, that literally happened to somebody. We should make a movie about that, though, in racism. <laughs> Crash too. <laughs> we're finally at some point we will end racism on the podcast. Yeah, John Francis Queen can't, and we can't. I don't know who can. <laughs> now the way this is presented, they knew the workers had chloracne. Made me think, oh, chloracne is a type of acne that's like already been discovered and mm-hmm. defined. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then when I went on Wikipedia to see earlier cases of chloracne, literally nothing came up. That is to say, Monsanto invented a new kind of acne Let's go. by specifically oh. being the site of exposure to this new kind of poison. Shout oh. outs, inventors. Now also, <laughs> inventors. Shout out, Tra- Free market innovation. Chloracne. <laughs> 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 When I was on the Wikipedia page looking up other instances of chloracne, apparently another major major dioxin poisoning happened to the former president of Ukraine, Viktor Yushchenko. He was running for election in 2004 against whoever's Russia's whoever Russia's preferred candidate was. I have pictures. After a dinner with Ukraine's head of secretary, he arrived home and kissed his wife, mm. and she told him his lips tasted metallic. His face broke out into horrific chloracne, and it was revealed that his rice was poisoned with dioxin. His rice. His rice. Not the, the rice. Not, and the, not the rice. rice. Not the base of every meal. <laughs> oh, not the basic. Not the basic stable crop. They knew he wasn't going to reach for that other gross shit on the table, whatever it was. Not gross, yeah. but you know, they were like, he. He's what a betrayal, this, right? It's I hope the dinner was otherwise good, right? Like, if you're getting poisoned, I hope it was at least tasty. Yeah. Also, like, I'll say, what kind of person is, like, eating rice and doesn't notice when it, like, tastes you, it's weird? Tasteless is it tasteless? It, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. 
He lived, and he went on to win the election, but his face is permanently disfigured, and it's covered in deep scarring from the incident. Do you guys want to see pictures? Yeah. yeah. It's in black and white, so it's, okay. like, less horrific. But this is before, during, after. Oh, Damn. my God. And he had to, like, run for election like that. Okay. Oh, my the, God. The full after kind of looks like he's older. Right? It's a, in color, it's more clear. Like, the mm. scarring is a little bit red, and, like, oh, it's gosh. really, really deep. Yeah, but the during is... The during is horrific. The during, the during is, is really rough. Bad. That's it's, Frankenstein. Uh, yeah. yeah, he literally looks like Frankenstein. It's terrifying, because the man was poisoned, and he had to carry around the... Oh, I'm so sorry. The monster that Frankenstein invented. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to live with me for too long if I didn't get it out. I'm sorry. I had to do it. Thank God you mentioned <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> There's something deeply wrong with the three of us. <laughs> We've already been in this room for too long. <laughs> like his skin, like literally looks dead on his face. Yeah. Yeah. So he had to like his body had to make new skin, and yeah. that's why it's like that. Um, this is before, during, after. Um, it is rough, my friends. So this is the picture. I'm glad <laughs> that was a good note to show to the camera. Anyways, this wasn't Monsanto's fault, I assume. But it was another notable dioxin poisoning case. Yeah. Yeah. It does. But let's return to our workers in Nitro, West Virginia, circa 1949. Mm. The workers were diagnosed with chloracne. Monsanto sent in physicians to take care of them. Many recovered, but as the source continues, quote, Some of the more seriously ill did not respond to treatment, so Monsanto sent four of them to the College of Medicine at the University of Cincinnati. Three of the four men had entered Building 41 on the day of the explosion, or the next day, and two of them had reported that they'd been covered with a dark residue inside the building. Further um, proving the gunk theory. Yeah. Anyways, the fourth man had not entered the building until three months after the incident, but his symptoms were still remarkably similar to the other three. Whoa. So again, three months out of the explosion, so this guy's got the same thing. That sticks around. That shit sticks around. I want you to, again, really note here, Monsanto is in its official company workings sending these men to be studied at the University of Cincinnati to receive special care after being exposed directly to the thing that they were making. Right? Quote, Two or possibly three of the four workers had enlarged sensitive livers and changes in blood levels of certain chemicals that were consistent with liver damage. In addition to their common ailments, some or the men were cursed with a peculiar body odor. Mm. When they were in a room together, the physicians noted a smell that was not the odor of sweat uh, or of the, quote, rancid fat in their skin lesions. Like it's a whole Ooh. different odor. And it smells worse than, I guess, that. Yeah. Oh, Which, my God. You know you got to stink if your physician is like, ew. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like, th- it has to be just a horror. And I can't even imagine, like, them going home to, like, their families or no. whoever, even just with themselves, yeah. carrying that smell around with them. You can't kiss your wife with that smell. Mm-mm. Mm. Uh, unless she is just remarkably cool. Unless she's uh, f- for the streets. <laughs> <laughs> I hope for their sake that they were. Oh, also, this is the part where I put in the story about the one dude who's incredibly racist, who oh, yeah. the effect of the poisoning had on him was his skin had darkened to such a degree that strangers were making him sit at the back of the bus. Let's go. Eat in separate locations. <laughs> literally, it's like, it was literally the plot to a MASH episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it fully happened to him. Uh, I, bet, I bet he was like, wow, being black is hard. <laughs> he learned a lot of lessons that day. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes the final quote that I have not been able to independently verify the final claim of. It's like a throwaway line that demands a lot of explanation. So I'll read it to you. Quote, little emphasis had been placed on the psychological effects on these men, but it must have been a terrible source of worry to feel ill and uncomfortable for weeks or months or years and to be troubled with chronic skin problems that, in some men, meant the daily indignity of having pimples squeezed by the plant nurse. Jesus. What? 
that raises so many fucking questions Wait. for me. <laughs> so they have plant nurses at, in Nitro, West Virginia, who I guess they had tasked with squeezing pimples. Dr. Pimple Popper. Th- literally Dr. Pimple Popper, 1949. Why? Were they studying the insides of the pimples? I have no idea. Were there they was, collecting oh. the insides of the pimples? Th- even grosser somehow. <laughs> no! There's no further explanation. <laughs> ba- Pop your own pimples, babies. P-Y-O-P. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. P-Y-O-P. Well, look, get the nurse to do it. Shut up. Can you imagine clocking in and being like, ah, oh, come here, Jeff. Like, uh, let's get this done before you. Like, why also were they doing it? Did they think it was medicinal? Was it uh, they looked unsightly and decided to just pop the pimples for them? Like, but everybody knows that after you pop a pimple, it looks worse. It looks. It does. It does. Yeah. Maybe it was different with the death. Yeah, it's probably the, the reddiest, blotchiest spot imaginable. How beauty face. standards have changed. <laughs> <laughs> I love, a, I love a bumpy, fa- a bumpy face these days. Yum, mm. yum. The entire section that I was quoting from, like when I would say quote from the source, was Michael Gow's Dioxin Agent Orange, The Facts. He worked in the Office of Technology Assessment, the technical research arm of the United States Congress, and had been involved in some capacity with Agent Orange since 1979. Here's the thing. He wrote his facts in 1986, well before the more damning aspects of a very important trial were released. So we're getting the most sanitized pro-U.S. version of this incident, mm. and it still sounds horrific. Yeah, mm. that's really bad. Do you understand what I mean? Like, yeah. This yeah. is bare minimum. This is as good as it's going to get. Uh-huh. The studies conducted on these men were later proven to be categorically misleading, as in the men, uh, more men than you'd think had worse symptoms than those described. Oh, my God. I won't get too into it because it's just tedious at this point, but I wanted to mention that it's, it's like, going to get so much worse. Okay. <laughs> so, do you remember the first book that I introduced you, Marie Monique Robbins' The World According to Monsanto? Mm-hmm. That was episode one. As it's discussed heavily in her book, the scientific studies that Gao were relying on were all completely butchered. And for the sake of brevity on the podcast, I won't get too far into how, but here's my takeaway. Mm. The problem with human studies when it comes to proof of liability is that it's impossible to prove that one thing caused your ailment. Right. Yeah. Or in a lot of these men, they went on to like die of cancer, like really weird, rare cancers. Mm. Mm-hmm. And because it happened like, you know, 40 years after the incident, you can't prove right. that this one thing that happened 40 years ago yeah. like caused your cancer right. and then right. made you die. Notably, a lot of these dudes also, like, smoked and drank and didn't eat particularly well. They came of age in the fucking 30s and 40s. Yeah. Yeah. And shit was different back then, meaning you could link a lot of their cancer deaths to a variety of factors. And because humans live so long, in particular, this was a small sample size, it's hard to draw any bona fide scientific conclusions from the nitro plant. However, there were still notable effects of this 2,4-D and 2,4-5-T dioxin that Monsanto observed immediately after the explosion. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we at least have our bare minimum. We know something happens mm-hmm. when it's blasted on you. Yeah. yeah. The most damning piece of this I will read from Peter Shuck's, quote, uh, Peter Shuck's Agent Orange on trial. Peter quote, Shucks? Peter Shucks. I would have called him All Shucks, and he would have hated. <laughs> <laughs> well, his name is Peter Shuck. I was it, uh, um, possessifying it. Oh, Peter okay. Shucks. I would have called him Peter Shuck, then he would have been fine. <laughs> we would have we been good friends. You would call him All Shuck? All Shuck. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Shuck the fuck up. (laughs) Oh, she's bringing the puns. Oh, all right. (laughs) 
All right. Peter Shucks, Agent Orange on trial. Quote, as early as 1952. So, again, this plant thing happened in 1949. Mm-hmm. As early as 1952, Army officials had been informed by the Monsanto Chemical Company that 245T was contaminated with a toxic substance. Mm. In 1963, the Army's review of toxic studies on 245T found some increased risk of chloracne, which is a severe but usually reversible skin condition, and respiratory irritations. The risk was heightened when the chemical was applied at high concentrations by inexperienced personnel. That year on the Presidential Science Advisory Committee, PSAC, <laughs> sorry, reported the Joint Chiefs of Staff <laughs> on the possible health sorry, dangers. I just got it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, reported the Joint Chiefs of Staff on the possible health dangers of, herb- of herbicide use. So again, early as 1952, we're getting communication between the Army and Monsanto that mm-hmm. something goes wrong when this is blasted directly on you. One final thing. A request filed by the St. Louis Journalism Review under the FOIA Act, U.S. Freedom of Information Act, revealed that nearly 600 pages of reports and correspondence between Monsanto and the Army Chemical Corps on the subject of this herbicide product going as far back as 1952. Mm. So that's from Monsanto, A Checkered History by Brian Toker and the Ecologist, 1998. So I'm setting all this up just to really emphasize, because this is the Army episode, that yeah. the Army and Monsanto were talking about this thing that happened, and mm-hmm. they knew shit was going to get fucked up. So I say all this because, obviously, this is going to be used in Vietnam anyway. Like, yes. I, obviously, this is where we're going. Uh, despite the Geneva Protocol on gas warfare being signed in 1925, the U.S. Army is just going to start blasting the fuck out of this. This is going to wind up in territory that encompasses horrors beyond our comprehension, but I wanted to emphasize the fact that even though no one knew how bad it was going to get, mm-hmm. because it's going to get so much worse, mm-hmm. it already started off incredibly bad. Right. Even at its most mild, like just a skin condition or yeah. respiratory problems or whatever, yeah. that's still, you can't blast that kind of gas onto people. No. <laughs> we decided as humans we don't do that anymore. And like Monsanto already had a relationship with the U.S. Army Mm -hmm. before this, Mm -hmm. and so it makes sense that they're just going to continue to collaborate to commit human atrocities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even at its most mild, this is still a human atrocity. Yes. Mm. Like, blasting gas over people. So let's forward to 1962. The U.S. had been involved in Vietnam for some time before then. I'm not a military historian. Do you guys know, like, a lot about U.S. involvement in Vietnam? Only what the Elvis movies tell me. (laughs) What did the Elvis movie tell you? Not much. (laughs) (laughs) Was Elvis in Vietnam? Uh, Did he die before then? I don't know. He was just making out with his 14-year-old child bride. I don't know. But, like, was he in the army? He was. He was, like, enlisted. Yeah. I don't know what he was doing. (laughs) (laughs) But he was theoretically supposed to serve in Vietnam? Yeah. And then he started making movies about it. That's when he met his wife, Priscilla, when she was a teenager. I saw the the Baz Luhrmann. (laughs) 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 Okay, Slay. So while Elvis is over there in Vietnam, 1962... I should know more because my dad is a refugee from the Vietnam War. Oh, shit. Wow. And my entire dad's side of the family. Um, but they left um, and spent about three years in a camp in Malaysia mm. before getting sponsorship to go to Seattle. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. Interestingly enough, this is not in my notes, but part of why the U.S. goes forward with all the blasting we're about to do on Vietnam is because Britain had done it in Malaysia during the, quote, Malaysian emergency. And because it was an emergency and not war action, that's Mm -hmm. why this uh, chemical use was not barred by the Geneva Convention. As if anyone was going to enforce it anywhere in Britain. But that's why, like, I don't know. I love that there are technicalities even in war. Right? The fuck is that about? All right. So anyways, the uh, the U.S. has been involved in Vietnam for some time before 62. Charles Allen Thomas is the current Supreme of Monsanto. He, when he isn't executing deals or whatever, uh, 
it's just it's funny that Adam Bomb guy is also the Vietnam guy. He's the Where's Waldo of warmongering. Oh my <laughs> God. Isn't this such a hilarious comedy podcast? <laughs> <laughs> During our foray into South Vietnam, military officials noted that one, Vietnam is densely covered in foliage, and two, Vietnamese soldiers have this crazy thing where they like eat. They need to eat. <laughs> yes. Facts. The resulting plan to address these issues. How to be inhaling, though. <laughs> How to be inhaling. <laughs> but when did your uh, dad's family come over? The 70s. Wow. Oh, Mary. The swinging 70s. The swinging 70s. Swinging Actually, in the Malaysian, then to Seattle. Mm. Yeah, late 70s, early 80s. Wow. Wow. It depends on who you're talking about. <laughs> cool. Cool, cool. The resulting plan out of these two uh, contingencies, uh, the Vietnam is covered in foliage and Vietnamese soldiers eat, the resulting plan was to uh, address these issues, was to spray a series of defoliants over Vietnam so as to limit the cover that enemies could take in forests, enemies, mean, this is the Ar- mm-hmm. U.S. Army terms, uh, and to cut off food supply to North Vietnamese people. Dang. Even at its most sanitary, this is already a fucking atrocity. Yeah. Because yeah. you're killing all the trees. Mm-hmm. And... Then killing food supplies. Yeah, killing oh. all the plants. All the actually, plants. Period. Yeah. And so, oh, that's war is just atrocious. Like, there's no way around. And Monsanto did not start the war. Right. Yeah. But they made give them credit for a lot of things. <laughs> not starting the war though. That I, war is ours. <laughs> <laughs> we did that. Yeah. What, guys, we did it. Oh my god, <laughs> we did it, Joe. <laughs> we did it, Joe. <laughs> <sighs> Monsanto. <laughs> we did it for the girls. Monsanto is one of the many companies contracted to produce powerful herbicides that don't harm human beings. That's like the most sanitary way we're getting it. Mm-hmm. The best we could figure was the dioxin lace shit that we were just talking about. This project is called Operation Ranch Hand, and the different type of sprays all came in different like color-coded barrels. Mm. Monsanto is a key producer of Agent Orange, which mm-hmm. is the deadliest of all the rainbow herbicides. Oh. Yes, they were called the rainbow herbicides. Love wins. <laughs> Aww. Gay. Like that one? Oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There are more chemical companies that are producing the other agents, Agent Pink, Agent Blue, Agent White, Agent Green, whatever. Okay. But Monsanto is the Tarantino. (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) You did the movie called Reservoir Dogs. And that's everyone's name is like Mr. Pink, Mr. Orange or something. Oh, okay. And I wonder like, if this is where he got You were freaking the movie references today. Sorry, I've watched film. I'm, I'm a film <laughs> studies major. I'm, I watched films. Are you actually? Never. <laughs> <laughs> Kill the arts. Defund the arts. <laughs> if there's one thing I've learned from this podcast, it's defund the arts. Yeah. yeah. It's not, why does this indie comedy theater let me do this podcast? <laughs> that's what I've really learned. Because <laughs> you're amazing and I'm learning a lot. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. So, yes, anyways, Love Wins um, from Marie Monique Robin. Quote, according to a Columbia University study published in 2003, so again, this is after Vietnam, mm. dissolving 80 grams of dioxin in a municipal water system could eliminate an, a city of 8 million inhabitants. That is how potent dioxin can be. And this uh, further from Robin. 80 milliliters is like four tablespoons. 80, mm. Is that what 80 grams is? 80 grams. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, because one gram is a milliliter. That's how the metric system works. Oh, look at you. Miss but system. only if it's water. So if it has like a different viscosity than water, then it'll probably weigh more. Because mm. a milliliter of honey weighs more than a milliliter of water. Okay, and you're saying. I, I have no idea how much dioxin weigh or how much these herbicides weigh. Yeah. Mm. I... 
No idea. Uh, but on January 13th, 1962, a Fairchild C-123 of the U.S. Air Force took off from Tansanut Air Base, carrying more than 200 <laughs> gallons. <laughs> it's N-H-U-T. I didn't know if that was nut or newt. Nut. Let's say it nut. All right. Carrying more than 200 gallons of Agent Purple, which is not Agent Orange, between then and 1971, an estimated 20 million gallons of defoliants were sprayed over 8 million acres of forests oh and crops. More than 3,000 villages were contaminated, Damn, and 60% of the defoliants used were Agent Orange, which is the equivalent of more than 800 pounds of pure dioxin. Y'all seen Fire and Gully? Mm-mm. Oh, Gully. that's the Robin Williams movie? Maybe. Was he in it? I don't know. This is fairies, and they live in the forest. I, and the forest I can picture it. Down. Yeah. Yes, he did it before Aladdin. Oh, really? He did. Holy shit. I think that's like why Yo, they R.I.P. Robin Williams, dog. That's yeah. my homie. I love that guy. I, I think that would be a good movie, and I wouldn't want to watch it. But Shout um. out Fern Gully. Shout out Fern Gully. So again, 80 grams of dioxin in a municipal water supply could eliminate a city of 8 million people. More than 800 pounds of pure dioxin were blasted over Vietnam between 1962 and 1971. Damn. What could possibly go wrong? Skin. So much. I'll let Robin continue. <clears throat> Quote, sitting in his wheelchair, he pointed to the space where his legs used to be. Alan Gibson was vice president of the Vietnam Veterans of America, which has 55,000 members. Quote, when I got back from Vietnam, I started to have problems with my eyes, he explained. And then, three years later, I had the first symptoms of what doctors call peripheral neuropathy. My bones started to dissolve and come out of my toes. One day I was... Holy shit. One day I was washing my feet and a piece of bone fell into my hand. What? Where how how out of the toenail? It w- well, he does not elaborate. How about say how the fuck does it just come out? Is this disease common among Vietnam veterans? I asked. Yes. Jesus. <gasps> bones fell off. Can't come into work today. Sorry, bones fell off. My skeleton stopped being hard. My bones fell off. Can't come in today. So that's all I, I just wrote <laughs> like in caps. Uh, bones fell off. Gone. No bones. Bo- boneless yeah. peripheral skinless boneless skinless boneless wigs Jesus Christ yeah uh, Alan give me can't me and Blood were listening to uh, <laughs> Pentatonics <laughs> before this yeah <laughs> uh huh <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Alan is far from the only person who has to deal with horrific illnesses after his time in Vietnam. Because, again, this is a U.S. soldier stationed in Vietnam. A number of people who served in Vietnam start coming down with a variety of illnesses, many cancer or neuropathy illnesses, which is kind of strange. In fact, a major lawsuit was set to happen in the 1980s from the veterans who were sick. What wound up happening was seven makers of Agent Orange, so it's Monsanto and mm-hmm. Others agreed in 1984 to create a $180 million fund for the thousands of Vietnam veterans and their families who said that the herbicide had harmed them. Monsanto was to pay the lion's share of about $44 million. Thus, this never goes to trial. Mm. Wow. Additionally... Mm. And we'll get to the people who still live in Vietnam in a second. The Department of Veteran Affairs has been asking, since we exited Vietnam in the early 70s, questions about veterans' health as it directly relates to Agent Orange. So they have a questionnaire, Mm -hmm. like when you sign up or whatever to be part of the VA. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, were you in Vietnam? Was this blasted on you? Did anything happen? Despite this, the Department of Veteran Affairs has never once published a study or comment establishing a causal link between Agent Orange and specific health anomalies. So 
ProPublica did a sweeping one and found disastrous results. Oh, my God. It's like it's just insane to me because, of course, the army isn't going to release anything because the Mm army is associated with the government Mm -hmm. and the government's the one that contracted Monsanto to do all this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's just it's like that. uh, You know, have either one of you seen the L word? Of course you haven't. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen in the L word where Alice is like, she's got like red lines between all the lesbians Mm -hmm. in town who have like Mm -hmm. uh, fucked. Okay. And that, what you were describing, I was just picturing Alice sitting there like connecting the the government to the VA to the, to Monsanto to, Right. So anyways, ProPublica does a sweeping analysis, and instead of talking about the ProPublica report, I want to talk about the people who are citizens of Vietnam. We'll talk about, I think, the ProPublica report at some point, but they... If we do. If we don't, I'll just spoil it. Like, a lot more disastrous health effects are found by ProPublica. They publish it. And this was after, like, decades of advocacy. Right. Like, they didn't do it right after Vietnam. This was in, like, 2016, I think, they did this. So, anyways, I want to talk about the people who are citizens of Vietnam who continue to live there after Operation Ranch Hand. Marie-Monique Robin visits Tudu Hospital in Ho Chi Minh City, and she writes the following. Quote, the nurse in a sky-blue uniform took a bunch of keys out of her pocket and opened the door without saying a word. We went into a room lined with shelves holding dozens of jars straight out of a horror movie. They were fetuses preserved in formaldehyde, monstrous, a cemetery of babies deformed by dioxin, a penis in the middle of a forehead, Siamese twins with one gigantic head, a body with two heads, a shapeless mass attached to a tiny body without limbs. Anencephaly, it's 1979, said one label. Microcephaly, said another. Hydrocephaly, yet another. Most of the jars had no label because the deformities were so bizarre, they lacked a medical name. Oh, my God. Holy Christ. Mm, And y'all get on us because we want to abort after three months. Mm. Meanwhile, y'all putting fetuses in jars. I mean, I lost the thread of what you were talking about. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I feel like a lot of wires got crossed there. (laughs) I can see it. It's all connected. I got the red string in my mind. So I'm assuming that the mother's did not survive it is unclear i would assume i what is clear to me is that the children did, or these babies right, did not survive right right and then were then preserved in formaldehyde right. this is nuts. and they're just kept in a room because they need to be studied because right. these dis- like these uh, anomalies did not exist before oh our involvement in vietnam God. so i love that monsanto is just making a uh, new uh Hitherto unforeseen horrors. Mm-hmm. Oh, First we had chloracne. Now we've got different kinds of cephalies that are fetuses and husk. Yeah, What's Robin? a husk? Technical by technical terms, an okay. empty shell of something. Yuck! <laughs> <laughs> Just the th- idea of a shell Ugh. is yucky to you. Disgusting. <laughs> Robin then goes on to a different floor of Tudu City, Tudu Hospital in Ho Chi Minh City, where some afflicted children are being cared for. Of that experience, she writes the following. Some were confined to bed because they had been born without arms or legs. Others were romping on the tile floor under the watchful eye of a nurse sitting in the midst of plastic toys. I was deeply touched by the serenity that emanated from these crippled children, proof that they were receiving high-quality medical and emotional care. Quote, most of them suffer from neurological problems and severe organ anomalies, the doctor said, taking a little boy born without eyes onto her knees. I could not tear my eyes away from the fetal head attached to the child's body nestled against the doctor's shoulder. Oh, oh no. my God! Oh my God! She describes a different nurse. Um, Fuang was still a student when she witnessed the first time that the birth of a deformed baby in a maternity ward of Tudu Hospital. "Quote: It was in 1965," she explained. 
in respectable French. Did I mention the author is French? And she comments <laughs> on all of her interviews French. <laughs> okay. Can you imagine in the middle of talking about these horrific birth defects, the author's like, hmm, her French is good. Oh, <laughs> like, that is her takeaway. <laughs> That's not, I mean, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> this is miserable. <laughs> you mean that throws it there. And it was explained in a way I could understand. <laughs> we have gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> Please play the Ratatouille soundtrack <laughs> under this. <laughs> like, I don't know if she put that. It's, obviously, it wasn't a joke. I think she wrote that not even thinking anything of it, which makes it even funnier to no. me. <laughs> well, I needed it because I have nothing but the weirdest pictures in my brain right now. <laughs> my favorite part of this book is, again, the, uh, Marie, Monique Robin comments twice on her interviews French language skills. <laughs> French people are so fucking funny. Anyways, Fuang continues, quote, at the time, I had never heard of dioxin. In the succeeding years, we saw a significant increase in the number of stillbirths and with severe deformities and of children with serious handicaps. Mm. And it's still going on. In 2005, we recorded more than 800 children born with deformities in this hospital alone. Oh, my God. Which is significantly above the net international average. Right, because it's from the factory incident, it sticks around for like months, and that was only with like that one small incident. And as we're finding out, it actually lasts generations. Yeah. But, and I'll talk about the science of it in a second. Um, but quote, according to admission records, 70% of the children treated here have parents living in the area that were sprayed by defoliants. Unfortunately, tests to detect dioxin are very expensive, about a thousand pounds, like British sterling pound, mm-hmm. whatever. And there are no laboratories in Vietnam that are able to perform them. The only time we did have a test done was on the mother of Viet and Duc Siamese twins born with three legs, one pelvis, one penis, one anus, whom we successfully separated. Slay. Who, who got what? Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't know who, who got, got what, what in the distribution. <laughs> We found a rather yeah I do have many questions that uh, Fuang did not an- or Fuang did not answer. We found a rather high level of dioxin in her fatty tissue. This is the mother of those mm-hmm. two. My country's medical authorities estimate that 150,000 children today have deformities due to Agent Orange, and that 800,000 people are still ill. No. Oh my God. I will return for a second to lighten the mood a little bit. Let's go. Uh, to what Robin said before about how the children at Two Do Hospital were being well cared for. Again, the vibes she said were um, impeccable. <laughs> immaculate um, vibes ma- at the children's hospital. She said hospital. immaculate vibes at the children's <laughs> hospital. <laughs> hospital. Social emotional learning. <laughs> Here, I'm going to show you two a picture of a kid with pretty obvious birth defects. He does not have arms, and one of his legs is quite shorter than the other. He's watching TV in the most like kid way possible because this kid can clearly sit yeah. up, and he's choosing not to. Oh, I'm obsessed. <laughs> yeah, out on the, yeah, that uh, is. I think 2005 is when she went. 2005, hide a flow rider. Uh, <laughs> so this kid is just like splayed out yeah. on the floor, like in the most like Family Guy fall yeah. style way possible. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that kid's living life. Yeah, he's I, living I have large. Done that I recently. I picture myself watching TV as a kid, and it just looks exactly like this yeah. kid. <laughs> and so I saw this picture, and I was particularly touched because I was like, I've been there. You know, yeah. These kids are us, and we are them. Shout out to kids. Shout out to kids. Splayed out, despite the fact that he absolutely has the ability to sit up on his own. That's what I've written (laughs) at the bottom here. (laughs) He totally could. I know he could. (laughs) But what's the fun in that, you know? Who's trying to impress? Listen, floor time is very important to me as an individual. Ooh, that is so true. Fuck those other hospital kids. (laughs) 
<laughs> He's also watching it alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a loner. I'm cool. Well, if you zoom out from that photo, everybody else is sat completely normal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he just wanted yeah. the center stage. Like, damn, Jackson's so cool. <laughs> I love this kid in Tutu Hospital in Ho Chi City is named Jackson. He's the coolest kid in the hospital. <laughs> damn. Robin's line of questioning to the nurse that we were talking about, Fuang, will inform where the rest of the episode is going. Quote, are there birth defects characteristic of dioxin? And Fuang responds, no, but dioxin acts inside the cells of a hormone, favoring the growth of deformities that diseases that exist otherwise. But what? Uh, so I, I, let's talk about it. Because I, I learned a lot about this stupid <laughs> fucking science, and I will do my best to be a science communicator. Okay, I think what she said is our current understanding of dioxin as of 2022. Mm -hmm. As I've maybe alluded to, dioxin is not one chemical. It's mm -hmm. a toxic compound of mm -hmm. a shit ton of different molecules and chemicals mm -hmm. that are just like loosely labeled dioxin. Mm -hmm. It is stored in various cells and acts like a hype man for bad ideas that your body produces. Mm. So you know how evolution works? Like, can we go through a run through of evolution? Yes. Sure. Let's say you're um, hummingbirds and the Galapagos, and there are these flowers that have really long stems. The birds that live longer are the ones that happen to be born with longer beaks because mm -hmm. they can mm -hmm. get into the flowers better. Mm -hmm. yeah. And as a result, the ones with longer beaks just breed ones with longer beaks. Mm -hmm. yeah. But the first longer beak was just an accident. Like their body just accidentally came right. up with it and it, they were born. And then it's like somewhere happened. in the genes, there was like a shorter beak gene that just got toggled off. Yep. Mm. But so, what I'm hearing is that dioxin toggles all the bad ones on. It doesn't necessarily toggle it, but when your body has an idea like, what if I had no eyes? Dioxin's like, yeah! <laughs> and like favors the growth of that. Yeah. So instead of actively causing the switch to be flipped right. on, it's like, what if we did flip on the switch? And Dioxin's like, it's dark in here, flip it on! So dioxin is an enabler. And it, Yep, that's exactly what it is. We all yeah. need an enabler. But we only, but we can't all have all enablers. Mm -hmm. yeah. We need some haters in our lives <laughs> to shoot down the ideas that are gonna make us make bad True. choices that are like gonna hurt people. You know, me and Claire talk about this a lot of like the importance of being it. a hater. You gotta do it, man. I need to lean more into that. I think I'm too nice. Yeah, we got some hater. We yeah, uh, haters, haters. What, Hater nation. Cells? <laughs> Jeans? <laughs> we need those. We need haters anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, with enough with enough dioxin present in your system, your body will get really hyped at the idea uh, at like bad ideas. Mm -hmm. Because the dioxin doesn't cause the defect, it just encourages it. I have a suspicion that this is why this is so difficult to prove liability. Right. Mm. You understand? Right. Like yeah. the legal stuff hasn't caught up to the science. Yeah. 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 Because even with a crime, like a hype like a person who sits on the side of the crime scene saying, yeah, steal, 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 the, steal that couch. Oh, wait, yeah. <laughs> I just, I saw a TV show on Hulu about that girl who convinces, not, well, who encourages her boyfriend to commit suicide. <gasps> oh, no. You was know what? she charged find, with a crime? Yeah, she was charged. Wow. I'm going to go find those lawyers and I'm going to hook them up with this dioxin case. So, w legally, was she responsible for encourage was the suicide the crime or her encouraging suicide the crime do you understand encouraging suicide was is a crime, the crime so like bullying and like harassment yeah i think she got charged with manslaughter oh wow yeah some weird some weird degree where she's not gonna be in prison for the rest of her life but mm -hmm. yeah i was wondering like is suicide a crime i thought like legally it is is it not i think it can yeah. be i think there are places where it's illegal yeah but again you dead Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, so they're not going to charge you with the crime. But yeah, right. that's that's why I was asking, like, what yeah. is she responsible for legally in the situation? Yeah. Wow. 
Uh, so I guess that is a crime, in fact, where mm-hmm. the hype man does get the arrest. But I guess in your silly example. It's a cellular hype man. Yeah, it is yeah. a cellular hype man. Uh, Robin continues, quote, how do you explain that a company like Monsanto and even some American scientists continue to deny the existence of a link between dioxin exposure and genetic deformities? And Fuang uh, responds, quote, it's history repeating itself. First, they denied the link with cancer. And now to avoid responsibility, they deny the link with birth defects. Damn. Mm. Mm, yeah, she nailed Fong's it. really out here spitting facts. My God, she was so helpful. And yeah. I guess it really good at French. Yeah. <laughs> it's history repeating itself. I'm sorry. Wait, no. She did not say, um, she said respectable French. And of a different uh, person, she says impeccable French. Ooh. I know. But so she's kind of judging she's for I'm not saying she's real <laughs> big on the language. But. She's quoting Fong extensively. That is true. But yeah. I didn't quote the person. I think Alan Gibson might have been the one who was talking in impeccable French. Alan Gibson. Whose again. bones fell off, we as got, you'll remember. Yeah. That's another character in Pokemon Santo for kids <laughs> back. I've decided I'm going to be an Olgita main. Ooh. That's going to be my, my main right there. Is the other main option Edgar then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you only get two starters. You only get two starters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Olgita and then Shapiro. Shapiro. <laughs> going those two. That'll make sense if you listen to the first episode, which I encourage you to have done. As the last quote indicated, there's a lot of secrecy when it comes in to this the world. Dioxin. Is John a legendary Pokemon with Olga? <laughs> I'm getting steamrolled on my own fucking podcast. Pokemon Santo, gotta catch them all. <laughs> there's a lot of secrecy when it comes to the toxicity of dioxin. Most of what I've been telling y'all has been with the gift of hindsight and decades of advocacy to yeah. make this information public. That's mm-hmm. crazy. So I want to talk about the watershed moment for which these documents were uncovered, the trial of Kemner v. Monsanto. So, in 1979, January 10th, there's a train coming from Sajet, Illinois. Sajet! Sajet! Sajet gang! <laughs> it's coming choo from Sajet <laughs> that derails, again, January 10th, 1979. It crashes and spills a shit ton of dioxin in the town of Sturgeon, Missouri. No. 19, oh, not Sturgeon. Not Sturgeon. 19,000 gallons of crude oil just blasts out of the town of 800 people. God the damn. townspeople develop a panoply of illnesses. Panoply is a word that was used a lot in this research, and I'm glad I finally get to use it. A panoply of illnesses associated with dioxin poisoning. Albeit not as badly as, for example, the folks in Vietnam who had it like, blasted over them for 10 years. Mm-hmm. But their land in Sturgeon, Missouri, has turned to complete shit. And again, that's not to say there's no health problems, but mm-hmm. like a lot of it is land that will litigate in court. Because many of them are farmers, this is literally their livelihood. Right. One resident of Sturgeon, Missouri, is this 81-year-old retired school teacher named Frances Kemner, who's the lead plaintiff, I think because she's just like a badass. After the trial, she's quoted in the Wall Street Journal saying this, quote, They had eight lawyers and we had two, but we licked them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The Wall Street Journal quotes further, quote, She calls herself a Harry Truman Democrat and says that the Independence Hellgiver would be proud of her victory against the big boys in St. Louis. Oh, my God. This lady slays. Spitfire lady. Yeah. She's, she rocks. She was a huge part in getting the town towards this lawsuit mm-hmm. because when you are suing for like personal injury, the yeah. burden is on you right. to prove that you were injured and yeah. get all these documents together and do all this. And you need to get stuff from the doctor mm-hmm. and you need to figure out how you're going to pay the lawyer. And then you have to go to the news stations and say, hey, we're doing this lawsuit. Yeah, that's actually this actually is a bigger is becoming a bigger thing in anti-racism work where they look at shit like this that has caused health disparities that were never addressed that mm. like lead to. Basically, low-income people having like this shit done to them. Episode three is going to be the episode for you. Oh, that's shit. exactly what episode racism. Three. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> go. <laughs> Activate. <laughs> We're all deep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so 
Sajet, Illinois. Sajet? 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 Sajet to do racism. <laughs> <laughs> like Christ the Redeemer. <laughs> In my brain, we're all stacked on top of each other. <laughs> this is going to be uh, like unintelligible to listen to this. They're going to be like, what the fuck are you laughing listen about? Listen to episode one. It'll make yeah, sense. Body or or watch the, watch the video. <laughs> you should just watch the video, too, of all of us T-posing. <laughs> Arms only. We're no standing no, room. No, no. For more than three years, 14 jurors would listen to 130 witnesses and try to evaluate the harm suffered by the residents of Sturgeon. I know I buried the lead, but they're on jury duty for three years. Jury duty. Three years. What happens to, like, your job? I don't know. I mean, I I have quit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, three and years. then like, how do you address that employment gap? Say, like, sorry, I was. I was on, on the, the longest trial in American history, or the longest the civil trial, case. I think. <laughs> oh, we will talk a little bit about it. the trial. Began with jury selection on February 6, nineteen eighty four, and lasted until the jury returned its verdict on October twenty seventh or October twenty second, nineteen eighty seven. Oh, so between eighty four and eighty seven, the transcript of the proceedings totals ninety one thousand five hundred fifty five pages, along with six thousand three hundred thirty three exhibits. I promise we'll talk about what's revealed in the trial, but I really need to talk about the three years part of it more. From the New York Times, when the testimony began on February 22nd, 1984, there were 67 individual plaintiffs, two defendants, and 18 jurors. Since then, one plaintiff died, (gasps) two have dropped out of the case, and four jurors have been excused. Over time, the jurors have held wedding showers, parties and honors of birthdays, including Judge Richard P. Goldhirsch's 40th. Marking, he's 40 years old presiding over this trial. Oh, my and God. Jesus they've marked births of grandchildren and consoled one another through deaths and illnesses. When Judge Goldenharsh was hospitalized earlier this year, they sent him flowers and a card signed, From Your Faithful Dioxin Jurors. Oh. Wow. Dioxin Girly. That's the hose. We slay. Breakfast Club. Let's go. <laughs> did they do the dance? Oh, I hope they did. Do you think any of them fucked? Oh, 100%. <laughs> In yeah. the jury room, orgy every time. Whoa. The bad boy juror and the <laughs> fucking pretty girl, Christine juror. <laughs> the plaintiffs, too. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. They're, they're fucking sucking. <laughs> Yuck. Also, the judge is only 40. I don't know why that blew my mind. Yeah, I guess, that like, is wild. 40-year-olds yeah. can, in fact, do things. But, like, 40 right. to me is so young. Yeah, right. To, so be yeah, to be a judge? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I'm like, I know 40-year-olds. I know people older than 40. Right. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, what state was this case? This is in Missouri. Missouri. Mm-hmm. Sturgeon, Missouri. So. Sturgeon. Yeah, the, I mean, the 80s, am I right? <laughs> because this trial lasts so long, and because it directly relates to personal injuries related to dioxin, a lot of Monsanto shit is revealed. The onus was on Monsanto to prove that dioxin is not poisonous to people. Uh, also, the oil spill has nothing to do with any ailments in Sturgeon, Missouri. So that's like their case mm-hmm. that they're building. Per the Wall Street Journal, apparently Monsanto had a fucking revolving door of lawyers to each cover four-hour shifts so as to seem mightier and having an infinite amount of resources. I want to highlight something from Marie Monique Robbins' book. Monsanto, again, needed to prove that there's no causal link between dioxin and health consequences. They'd known for years that they need to have this evidence. So here's part of how they gathered it like before this trial even becomes a thing. Right, so Monsanto was uh-huh. like, we need to get ahead of this thing before right. it eventually comes out. Right. Mm. To guard against possible accusations of being of dioxin being poisonous, Monsanto executives stopped at nothing. 
With the complicity of employees at the St. Louis morgue, they secretly took tissue samples from random corpses of like road accident victims and had them analyzed, revealing that their fatty tissue of corpses contained dioxin. Their case being like everybody has dioxin in our bloods, including like these random dead Damn. road accident people. This is some better call Saul shit. Right? Like imagine showing up at your job and they're like, you got to go to the, the morgue today to get, you know. Fatty tissue and like go get a of, finger and go, go give me a finger, give me a ring finger while you're at it. <laughs> I have yeah. a ring sizing and I, d- I just don't have the time for my own finger. Um, yeah, get somebody else's finger, go to the morgue and collect tissue like Damn. surreptitiously. Is that the word surreptitiously? Whatever, like, like, see, s- like s- sneakily, sneakily, surreptitiously, yeah, like serpent, serpentlicious. <laughs> Serpent deliciously? Deliciously, deliciously, like a serpent. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was again before this Kemner v. Monsanto thing even started. They were like, we got to get ahead of this shit. Let's go to the morgue. I mean, honestly, if I was a judge, that would be a red flag. Right? (laughs) Like, why are you covering your ass if there's nothing to cover? But also this proves in later trials to be quite effective because it's like Monsanto, or I'm sorry, like dioxin is in everybody's bloodstream because we're... Having a nightmare as a country. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, because it's in everyone's bloodstream, you can't prove that this bloodstream, dioxin, proved their ailments. Right. You understand yeah. what I mean? Yeah. That is to say, they were testing random people to prove that everyone has dioxin. They stole tissue from dead people. That is a thing they did. That's why I kept emphasizing in my paper. Wow. Additionally, what comes out of the trial? Do you remember the plant workers from 1949 who were studied at the University of Cincinnati? Yes, Feels like a lifetime ago. Yes. The main doctor leading these studies, which he did for decades, is one Raymond Suskind. Do you remember the Ooh. one source? Oh, the Michael Gao um, source I was telling you about. He worked for the OTA, yeah. government employees, sanitized mm-hmm. version of events. So he was referencing Suskin's work, which proved that there was no long-term connection between the workers' dioxin poisoning and various cancers, illnesses, etc. This is proven in Kemner, Kemner v. Monsanto to be a huge load of fucking bullshit. Mm. I will let Robin explain it because she does it better than I can. And uh, forgive me, this is going to be like lengthy of a quote because yeah. I like didn't really understand it and needed her to explain it. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't like succinctly do it because my brain is mush. <clears throat> the study published in 1980 by Raymond Suskin and his colleagues from Monsanto, Judith Zack, suffered, to put it mildly, from a lack of rigor in the definition of individuals considered exposed. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Marie Monique Robin is like the funniest person alive. I love the way she wrote that. <laughs> She's so fucking French. <clears throat> So because of like a jank hypothesis that made no sense, quote, the group of those exposed included only workers present on the day of the accident who mm. also had contracted chloracne. That is mm. to say, those who had been present but not gotten chloracne were excluded from the group of like oh, studying whoa. the poison. Whereas Suskin knew perfectly well that the absence of chloracne did not imply a lack of exposure. Right. Like people right. had other illnesses that yeah. weren't chloracne, but he was right. like, they didn't have chloracne? They're not in the state. Yeah, because if you're not coughing... Mm-hmm. And you test positive for COVID, then you still have COVID, even if you're not coughing. Right? Yeah. Cough, Con- cough. Conversely, at- <laughs> oh, <laughs> so <no. laughs> Conversely, anyone with skin problems like psoriasis, acne, and the like was included in the cohort of exposed. So, like, mm-hmm. even if they weren't there for, like, years after, but they had skin problems anyway, mm-hmm. Suskind put them into the exposed category. Wait, why? Uh, I mean, to, to manipulate it. Oh, uh, so whereas workers on the production line who were absent on the day of the accident were systemically placed in the control group of not exposed, even if they were suffering from chloracne. Like, it's just like eight. Right. So if stuff went wrong with the control group, then yep. they were like, but they weren't exposed, even uh-huh. though they were actually there on the day of the accident. Mm-hmm. 
The study, this is still Robin. The study published in 1983 by Judith Zack and William Gaffey, both Monsanto employees. No. So, uh, yeah, uh, the result that was that rates of cancer were lower in the exposed group than in the non-exposed group. Crazy. What? The trick was having included in the study only employees working at the factory and or having died between January 1st, 1955 and December 31st, 1977. In other words... Those who had worked at Nitro between 1948 and 1955 were excluded, as were those who died after 1977. This arbitrary protocol made it possible to exclude from the study the workers Monsanto knew were exposed, like from the 1949 accident. Oh my god. Nine of whom had died from cancer and 11 of heart disease. Furthermore, four workers who had died of cancer had been classified as exposed in the 1980 study and were placed in a control group for the 1983 study. Like... They died. <laughs> they literally died. They literally Damn, died. Susskind. Okay, so, so there, there were two different studies. Yes. We've got Susskind and then Judith Zack. Okay. Puck Monsanto, and, keep track. Mm. <laughs> and for Susskind, the, the messed up part of that was that the control group was people who didn't have skin problems Mm -hmm. and the people who were exposed were just people who had skin problems. Some of them were caused by dioxin. Some of them just have psoriasis like Kim K. Exactly. Like Kim K. (laughs) Famously has psoriasis. (laughs) Um, And and then Judith and Zach, the messed up part about that was that they only tracked people who are alive or dead for two years. It was more than two. Like, the time period they have is between 1955 and 1977. Oh, okay. So there are workers who had died before 1955 and after 1977. Right. Um, And, like, if you worked at the plant between 1948 and 1951, Mm -hmm. you just weren't included. Even though that's when... The plant exploded in 1949. Oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. So, like, the timing of theirs is dumb. Whereas in the first one, the control group is the the foolish thing. Yeah, yeah. So both of them were messed up for different reasons. Exactly. Okay. And these are like studies that the government is going off of or like that, you know, the Monsanto was giving to the government to be like, see, it's not that big of a deal. But they also knew. Quote, but it was the last study, the one published in 1984 by Raymond Susskind and Vicki Hetzberg, a colleague at the Kettering Laboratory, in the prestigious Journal of the American Medical Association that crossed all bounds. At a hearing in the Kemner case, Roosh acknowledged that instead of the four cases of cancer recorded in the exposed group, there were 28. What? So they said four, but it was actually 28. The other 24 had been omitted for some reason. What? They don't say the reason. Wait, what? When, when, Susskind, fun? when Susskind was subsequently questioned, he was, according to the plaintiffs, shown to be such a fraud that he refused to return to the state of Illinois for completion of the cross-examination. Right. <laughs> he said, let me, I gotta I'm go. Oh deuces. my God, he fled. Bye. He fled. They were like, so why is it uh, four instead of 28? And he goes, vibes. He's like, I gotta catch a train to, to Sajet. Sorry, I, 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 I actually, my, Uber, my Uber's outside. Um, <laughs> and they only wait for five minutes. And uh, actually, five minutes has passed. Wow. Oh, um, so I'm, so I'm gonna sorry. go. I gotta go. Susskind was like, why are you asking me all these questions? You the police? <laughs> so despite, So that is the end of me uh, reading from Robin. <laughs> what? I fucks with Susskind. <laughs> I like his vibe. I'm Susskind main. <laughs> <laughs> despite all of this, literally all of it, the juror of average people who were bombarded for three and a half years with evidence decided the following. So again, like it's hard to be a juror right. on this because you're being bombarded with all the scientific evidence that you don't necessarily understand. Yeah. Decided the following. Monsanto 
this, this is their verdict. Monsanto didn't cause any of the townspeople's injuries, but they did act with wanton disregard for safety by having dioxin present in the stuff that was shipping in the first place. Mm-hmm. Thus, they awarded to the plaintiffs $1 each in, con- in compensatory damages, but fined Monsanto $16 million. And if that sounds like it makes no sense, it's because it fucking doesn't. <laughs> Whoa. No. Everybody in this trial is so messed up. They were b- too busy sucking and fucking to listen to the science. Three... <laughs> years uh-huh. of sitting there and listening to stuff and the end is you get a dollar you get a dollar, y- you get a dollar go get yourself a little something, something. get yourself a lollipop <laughs> I, I get that go run like, down to the corner store get yourself yeah. a little something something I get that like technically and effectively are two different words mm-hmm. but Daxon fucking fucked people up <laughs> what was the miss I think because Monsanto had a rotating schedule of lawyers every right, four hours, yeah. like they were able to very vigorously argue for the science. That might be like, yes, these people do have health problems. Yes, that is sad. It is not our fault. Because here's a bunch of science and cellular chemistry that you don't understand that proves that it is, in fact, a different thing. Right. Um, so... Also, I'm sorry to end this on an L, but even the $16 million fine was reversed in 1991. What? Because it did not make any sense. So, Monsanto didn't Holy pay a dollar for this shit. Oh shit. my god. So, what happened to people affected by dioxin poisoning? They died. <laughs> well, Monsanto, we all die, I guess. <laughs> Maybe that was Monsanto's argument. We all die. <laughs> hey, yeah, but you don't have die. bones coming out of you. Bones sticking out. Yeah, my bones stick in my body. Hey, if my you're teeth. dead, you're dead. Who cares about your bones? <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking the supervillain aspect. Someone needs to be Team Monsanto during this podcast. I have a balance of ideas. <laughs> Free speech. Monsanto faced another lawsuit involving monitoring the health of Nitro's residents and the cleanup site. In 2012, it settled for $93 million. That's one sentence. After literally decades of organizing, veterans organized a class action lawsuit that resulted in a fund, like we said before, mm-hmm. the fund being established for uh, victims of Agent Orange poisoning. However, the fund does not cover any birth defects aside from spina bifida, which is like a serious birth defect, but that's mm-hmm. like the only one they will recognize and give you money for right. if you have it. Versus Jeez. in the hospital in Vietnam, there were like so many different birth defects happening. Mm-hmm. And this is also for, not for Vietnamese people. This right. is just for right. military right. veterans right. coming right. back. To this day, the U.S. government doesn't acknowledge the linkage between Agent Orange and non-spina bifida birth defects. Oh, my God. Vietnamese victims tried organizing a similar suit, which was thrown out by the state court, appealed to the Supreme Court 2004, again thrown out. Oh, no. The children in Vietnam, uh, while they may receive adequate care at places like Tudu Hospital, are still being born generations later with incredible, mar- like, astonishing birth defects. It is evil. I don't know what else to say about that. That's the end of that sentence. That's crazy. The townspeople of Sturgeon, who suffer to this day from a panoply of cancers, ailments, etc., have received no financial compensation for any of their ailments as they're impossible to directly link to the poisoning. And that's science. Period. Period. That's so brutal. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? Man, fuck science. <laughs> yeah, we, the conclusion of this <laughs> podcast is that we should just not do science. No science oh, ever, baby. Science that helped me out. <laughs> So our conclusions that we can draw from this, if there's anything else we can draw, Monsanto willfully participated in war crimes. Yes. Right? Like, that's just point one. Yeah. Monsanto knew about the dangers of dioxin and willfully manipulated data so as to prepare for future lawsuits. Right. And they did that, like, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so they created, like, a a historical backlog of, like, continually manipulated and wrongful data so that when people cross-checked with the older studies, then it would all like, look legit, even though it was, like, bad from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. That's fucked. 
That's so messed up. In the words of a poet, that's fucked. It's calculated. I will end on a quote from Peter Shuck's Agent Orange on trial. Written All in 1987. Shucks. Ah, shucks. Also, oh, fuck. Wait a minute. Uh, I, I mix this up in my little notes. So I'm not, I will say something else before I go to Peter Shuck. Yeah. Um, Monsanto also, I'm so sorry this is just a footnote because it's also a war atrocity. They're the only known white phosphorus manufacturer in the United States up until at least 2012. Uh, white phosphorus is an incendiary weapon that burns so hot that you cannot put it out if it touches your skin. So it just burns a hole in you. Wow. Amaterasu. Uh, and we were, is that like a... That's a Naruto reference. Five of you are going to love that. <laughs> Uh, white phosphorus, coincidentally, is uh, a substance that we were just blasting over the people of Fallujah and uh, continues to be blasted over the people of Gaza. Uh, it's incendiary, meaning like it's meant to be shot and then you can see the trail, like it mm -hmm, leaves behind mm -hmm. a white trail. But being struck by that weapon will indeed cause burning so bad that you like no water, no substance on Earth is like cold enough to or whatever enough to put it out until it just goes out on its own. And again, once again, Monsanto is the only known white phosphorus manufacturer. Oh my god! Monsanto was so, like, "Fuck with us if you want. We got all the white phosphorus on deck." That is exactly what they're saying. Fuck yes. Monsanto. They said, "Let me do more war crimes." Like, yeah. you remember World War One? You remember Vietnam? Let's do Iraq. Ugh. And others. Okay, so I, I, again, I wanted to end on a quote. <laughs> I like how you two just groan. Like this is like how <laughs> you guys are like. Ugh. I'm going to end on the quote from Peter Shuck's Agent Orange on trial, written in 1987. So he's talking about a lawyer who was helping out the Vietnam veterans mm -hmm. uh, get their case to trial. Because, again, like we talked about earlier, it's really difficult to gather all this up and then mm -hmm. present it as a case. Mm -hmm. So uh, his name's Yannaconi. Yannaconi would meet with lo local lawyers and convince them to sign associate counsel agreements, thereby bringing themselves and their clients into his case. Armed with class action complaint forms that required only filling in the blanks, Yannaconi and local lawyers would then proceed to the nearest federal courthouse and file a class action complaint. Somehow, the press always managed to be there and record Yannaconi announcing the latest chapter in what he billed as the largest class action in history. His speeches to the local veterans were always inspirational. Quote, the veterans loved him, a guy, McCarthy, later said of Yannaconi, he's got the balls of a racehorse. He's a champion. He would stand up there and tell them the truth. He told them, we can't win, but I'll at least get you your day in court. Mm. Yannaconi's hold over the veterans, his ability to evoke their fierce loyalty would become a crucial factor in the evolution of the Agent Orange case. I'll at least get you a day in court really, like, stuck with me. Yeah. Um, because really? like that, yeah. Oh, what stuck with me was that he said he has the balls of <laughs> He said his nuts hang. <laughs> they like, My man's got huge nuts. <laughs> I mean, like that's the important thing, right? Because then, first of all, it enters into the public record, mm -hmm. and then second of all, so like that when other people also have similar complaints, then they can look back and see that like other people have also said something too, and also what. I remember you mentioning before that Monsanto had like a giant pool of money that they could just settle out of court with. Yep. And so, I mean, it's great that they got their money, right? And so that they can like have their medical costs paid and stuff. But as a generous reading of the situation. Right. But still, <laughs> it's different to then actually feel like you have been acknowledged as having been wronged by someone. Yeah. And like... His nuts hang. <laughs> His nuts that, that, hang. That dick twitch could make an earthquake happen. Oh, my God. That's my God. That's my dog. That's a big one, baby. Woo! That's my homie. 
You know, I would end on a dick joke, but I wrote just like a little footnote at the end of this. <laughs> so uh, a question that I think comes up from this was, does the government know? Since Monsanto had manipulated all these studies, mm-hmm. could you, I, like if there's simps out there who want to do whatever for the U.S. government, you could ask, do they know? Either they way, I mean. know. Either way, they still ordered for a war crime, even if they didn't yeah. know, like, the human effects of, right. de- like, this herbicide. Right. They still wanted to starve enemies and, mm-hmm. like, whatever. I mean, they, th- that was, like, straight up their strategy. Yeah. Let's, like, get rid of all the trees so we can see them better and make sure they don't eat so that they can't run away from us fast. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, like, starting there, war crime. It is questionable how many government officials knew based on the fact that the EPA just went along with whatever Monsanto said. It was only established in, like, 1970. Mm-hmm. So this is emphasized in the quote below from Marie Monique Robin, quote, the authors of the report, there's like a, what, oh, fuck, oh, fuck you, a report, a mm-hmm. scientific report, did not hesitate to copy almost verbatim 200 pages provided by Monsanto to denigrate oh. the results of the studies by whoever and whoever. The effect of the copying is so present, uh, is present to the views of Monsanto submission as the commission's own, or I'm sorry, it's presented as their own views. For example, in the vital volume dealing with the carcinogenic effects of 2,4-D and 2,4-5-T, quote, the Monsanto... 2,4-5-T is the dioxin? They're both the dioxin. Oh, okay. Quote, the Monsanto submissions phrase is, it is submitted that, and it was just replaced in the commission's report by, the commission concludes, in the midst of pages and pages of verbatim copying. My God. So it's like, if they didn't know, it's because they tried to not know. Right. Yeah. You know, It's like, because they literally just didn't read anything and, like, mm-hmm. copied and pasted. Which is also somehow worse. <laughs> yeah, that's Jeez. really bad. <sighs> so, like, even if you're simping for the government right now, which I don't know, simping for the U.S. military machine, I don't uh, care. Boo. Shout out to my uh, liquor of boots out there. <laughs> Hope your tongues are hurt. Yeah. Like, it's still just they chose to not know even if they could have known. Right. You know, so that, and here's my sources. And that is episode two, y'all. Um, just so, so you know, the sources is just a blank piece of paper that says sources. <laughs> Don't trust Christian. So it, says, it says, fuck you, my brain. <laughs> <laughs> it says, I made it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's been episode two of the Monsanto season of the Busted Business Bureau podcast. How you guys doing? Please Pretty support Christian on Patreon. Aww. Hey, uh, drop your favorite Pokemon Santo in the chat. Yeah. Oh, my favorite Pokemon Santo so far is definitely Fong. <laughs> oh yeah, I love really? Fong. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm Fong. switching to all shucks. Ooh, yeah. all shucks switching yeah. all shucks. Yeah. Who's your favorite? Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm gonna say Charles Allen Thomas, the guy who was just the Where's Waldo of Warmongering. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good Pokemon. Yeah, that time. is a good one. Yeah, he's yeah. been involved. Yeah. I think he might have died before we went to Iraq, but I yeah. don't quote me on that. But still, that's two big ones. Christine, what's your uh, favorite Pokemon Santa? Favorite Monsanto. French accent. <laughs> 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 All right, so catch the next episode of Busted Business Bureau. It's coming out uh, soon, I assume. Uh, (laughs) See you guys next time. Peace. Bye. Bye.